the more we thought about it and the more we thought about how audio production could be easier and faster and more fun by changing the editing and creation paradigm, the more excited we got about the, the possibilities. Podcast Junkies, episode 156. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. Weekly conversations with movers and shakers in the podcasting world. The majority of the time, it's podcast hosts who are just kicking butt and have amazing stories to tell about their journey. And every once in a while, it's an interesting conversation with someone who's doing something related in the podcasting field, like this week's guest. But first, in case you missed last week's show, we spoke to the one and only Cliff Ravenscraft, also known as Podcast Answer Man, now host of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Cliff holds a special place in my heart. He was the inspiration, one of the inspirations for me at New Media Expo in 2014, along with uh, the likes of Pat Flynn, episode 150, by the way. And he gave a talk that really got me moving. And I spoke to the guy who introduced him uh, as a speaker, Chris Murphy. Shout out to Chris Murphy. And that's really the genesis story of the show. And so to have it come full circle, have him come on episode 155 last week, and to talk about his story, what he's doing, how he's inspiring me, how he's inspiring countless of people and countless of subscribers to his show. Uh, it was just an amazing conversation. I was uh, definitely in fanboy mode and just super appreciative of his time and giving us the full hour. Uh, and I think that really allows us to dig in a little deeper with these conversations. I hope you enjoyed it if you listened to it. If you haven't commented on it, I'd love to hear some feedback. So this week, I alluded to uh, a new guest that is not actually a podcast host. His name is Andrew Mason. You might recognize that name as the former CEO of Groupon, and that is one and the same. He is now the creator of a new application called Descript, and it's a transcription-based service with a twist. You can actually take the audio that's been imported and transcribed, and through only editing of the text file, you'll actually go back and update the waveform as well, the actual audio file, which I think is fantastic. He's raised $5 million from Anderson Horowitz, and they're currently working out of uh, San Francisco offices. So they've actually got positions open as well. So if you're interested in a job there, check out Descript.com about. But this is just a great conversation with Andrew. We touch upon his project that he embarked on after leaving Groupon. That was Detour, and that's location-based audio tours. We talked about what his idea was for that and how they were started working with audio and how some of the things that he learned from launching Detour made its way into Descript. Uh, we talk about my first thoughts because I was able to test out the application and we also learn about its machine learning capabilities. He tells us what the goal is for Descript in the future and how he's looking for Descript uh, to be able to conduct phonetic analysis of words, which is pretty fascinating. We dive into a couple of his favorite podcasts. And we also talk about the person who showed him what hard work looks like. We discover what he's learned from previous experiences in his career. And he also shares with us what he learned about empathy and judgment while at Groupon. So a great conversation. And I was just really honored to have the opportunity. Uh, he, his team reached out to me. And I saw that there was an opportunity to mix this in with what's happening in the podcasting space. And I thought you, you guys would really, really enjoy it. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com slash 156. We've got timestamps of the episode, tweetable quotes that you can share with social media, and all the links mentioned in the show as well. We put a lot of love and care into these show notes. And so if you check them out and you see something or heard something that piqued your interest, you'll be sure to find it there. This episode is brought to you by Podbean. 
One of the ways you can maximize the ad revenue on your podcast is to use dynamic ad insertion. And Podbean released late last year a great tool to help you optimize your advertising opportunities. The Podbean dynamic ads insertion platform, it helps you maximize your ad revenue and minimize the work by automatically inserting ads for you. But you control everything. You bring the ads, you decide on the slots, the duration, and more. So make sure you head on over to podbean.com slash podcast junkies for more details. Make sure you stay till the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Andrew. So uh, Andrew Mason, thank you, mu- thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, regular listeners will probably be wondering why the, the former CEO of Groupon is <laughs> on, a, on a show of, uh, when we talk about podcasting. But uh, regular listeners will know that uh, it's an interesting world uh, around podcasting. There's, a, there's always new waves of renaissance that are happening. And it's maybe something that you've seen as well. Um, it's been around for, you know, 10 years, as most people know. But there's really interesting things and new technologies happening. And, and I thought it would be a, a great opportunity to chat with you about something new you're working on uh, called the, the script. But I think just maybe to start, what what have you been seeing as you've been, you know, you've obviously had after leaving Groupon and you started Detour and now you've got this new uh, application called The Script. But over that, over that time, what have you seen in the podcasting space that has been interesting for you or has caught your eye? So Detour is the company I started four years ago and it's a, a location-based audio tours that uses the GPS in your phone. And, you know, in addition to building the technology, we built a whole bunch of content. And uh, they're, they're effectively location-based podcasts. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're basically podcasts. Yeah. And very early on, I met Alex Bloomberg, yep. who at the time had not yet started Gimlet. He, was, he had left Planet Money and was on the verge of starting Gimlet. And um, as he, he, he talks about this in, in startup, but I, I ended up investing in being one of the original investors. And it was mostly this seems like a talented guy and I want to stay close to podcasting because it's peripheral to what we're doing at detour. And he saw what was coming. I certainly didn't. I was uh, taken aback by the explosion that's occurred in the last, uh, in the last four or five years in this podcasting Renaissance. So it's been awesome on the sidelines. And now with Descript, we're, really fully embracing um, and, and immersing ourselves in the podcasting world. And so uh, when was the intention when you started Detour that they would be as easy, easily consumed as podcasts are right now? So available in all the different destinations and Apple podcasts and obviously wherever else, you know, I know that podcasts are appearing on Spotify now too. So had, had you been, had you thought about that when you started Detour? Not, not for Detours themselves because Detours are dynamically constructed uh almost like a video game so as you're walking around the environment like when you download a detour in the detour app you're actually downloading probably 40 or 50 or more different audio assets Mm -hmm. there's uh, there's voiceover audio tracks for every little segment between every street corner before you get some kind of directions anytime there's a timing variable action that's going to take place and ambience are loaded in there as separate tracks as well. And they're all triggered independently, much as it would work in a video game. Um, so it was really designed to be an on-location experience. And in fact, 
we've resisted the idea of making it available those those as a pure podcast because they're they're so they're written for place in a way that it's just not the best way to learn about a subject if you're not on location you know the, if you're if you want to learn about the Brooklyn Bridge don't take Ken Burns Brooklyn Bridge detour go watch his documentary <laughs> something that's made for that medium yeah. instead of hearing Ken Burns say look at that isn't that something when you have no idea what he's talking about are there applications that you think where it would might make sense to take snippets of what's happening or or or, or create a detour and maybe you could do a consolidated version and have that just sort of be a sneak peek on the podcast and that maybe would lead people as a way to move people into detour yeah and we experimented with that and we experimented with audio views and reviews and uh and and tried to come up with something but there there's always been a challenge with detour of you're you're going against people's preconceived notions of audio tours which mm. are usually based on some mediocre experience that they had at a museum yeah. and people's preconceived notions of um of of walking tours in general which is maybe you're with a bunch of t- other tourists from Iowa and Kansas and mm-hmm. Um, they go on too long and there's a volunteer tour guide who's on college break and they're they're pretty, they can be incredible, but they're definitely hit or miss. And the way we do detours is we find somebody who's part of the history of the place. We do cinematic sound design and they have a very, very explicit storyline to them with a beginning, a middle and an end. They're really highly crafted when people actually take them, they're usually blown away and go back and do more. Um, but it's 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 been a challenge to communicate that. What has been um, the was there like an aha for you as as you when you launched Detour and then we'll move into Descript um, when you launched Detour and now that it's been running and and things that you would change about how you're putting it, putting them together or lessons lessons le- lessons learned I guess uh, as, as people use it. Well, one of the one of the challenges we knew we were up against is everything in media and content and technology is about like all of the trends are about making things increasingly bite size, increasingly low friction to get in and out of. Mm-hmm. And we were doing this audacious thing in that we were saying, no, we want you to travel for. 10, 20, 30 minutes to get to a location and then do something for two hours and then drive back. So it's this huge time commitment. You you probably don't have a good sense of what the experience is going to be like before you you can't really demo an on location experience before yeah. you before you're actually on location. So there's a there's a high risk that you're going to be wrong. So super high friction. I don't know how you solve that. We tried a bunch of different ways to solve it, but we knew it was going to be a challenge. The reason is just getting to the right customer at the right time when they're looking for something like that. I think the idea will eventually be very popular. I hope that Detour can be one of the companies that makes it popular, but there are some real customer acquisition challenges in reaching the customer that's looking for something like that at the, at the right time. So can you tell me where you were when you when the idea came up for Descript? I don't know where I was. It was 
we we always saw Detour as eventually becoming a platform where anybody could produce content. We were producing our content early on to eat our own dog food and Mm -hmm. to try to understand what was involved. But the idea is we would do that and then use that experience to develop tools that catered to that production process and then open the platform up so that anybody could create stuff. And as we started working with audio, we quickly realized how inaccessible and tedious the tools were. Uh, my background before I started Groupon, my college degree is in music technology, and then I worked in a recording studio for a couple of years. So I thought I had a pretty good handle on audio, but working with voice is it, like most of these tools are designed for music and voice is an afterthought. Yeah. And we would do uh, voiceover sessions in this booth that I'm sitting in right now. And the session might last half a day. And then you would spend another day or another two days editing down that session. And that's with a professional audio engineer who understood how to think in, in waveforms. Yeah. And we just realized that was going to be a non-starter. So we knew that there were these incredible advances happening in speech-to-text recognition. Mm-hmm. And we asked ourselves, would it be possible to build an audio editor that looked like a word processor and acted like a word processor? Because that's kind of the, the one creative tool that everybody understands how to use. Yeah. And we looked around and we found uh, someone getting his PhD at uh, UC Berkeley in specifically this idea. And we hired him and spent a couple years building this and beta testing it with our detour producers. And then uh, people would be coming through the office and seeing what we were building, anybody that was working in audio or even video. And they would just light up when they saw Descript and we would hear things like, I've been asking for this for 20 years and and I had this idea and blah, blah, blah. And it just felt like it felt like the kind of thing where we were clearly onto something and and really just something that people had that that had a kind of inevitability to it couldn't exist until the technology reached a certain yeah. crossed a threshold. Makes sense. Um, and it had just crossed that threshold. So the more we thought about it and the more we thought about how audio production could be easier and faster and more fun by changing the editing and creation paradigm, the more excited we got about the the possibilities. So I've been testing it out. It's been really interesting. And, and obviously, having been in podcasting now for close to four years, and you know, I've, I've seen a, a wide range of tools come and go, and especially in the podcasting space, which is, gets pretty hot and people try to capitalize on that. Uh, so there's tools like uh, Trint, which you're probably aware of, um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Rev.com does a lot of manual transcribing so now they've moved into an automated tool called temi which i don't don't know if you're aware of that temi.com what's interesting is those are just obviously fully transcribing but they're only as good as the the machine learning that's behind the transcription and so i know that for descript it's the ability to uh, cut out a word and it'll edit the pieces together what i was playing around with with, was with the idea of inserting as well and i think it inserted like a robotic voice of me so i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the thought processes and if you think of those as two separate work streams, like where you're just deleting and another one where you actually have to add new content. So the the version of Descript that's out right now will do automatic transcription and it's very affordable. The, it's the most 
accurate automatic transcription that we found and fast. You can transcribe a couple hours of audio yeah. in less than minutes. Um, and, uh, and then once you have a transcript, that's really just the beginning. You can then edit audio by editing the text. So the, the way that people are using that now is you might have a long interview or a conversation like this one. And you, it goes on for a long time and you want to cut it down to 10 minutes or whatever. And, and is an excellent tool for doing that sort of thing. Um, what we're working on and where we want to take it is, uh, is full multi-track support. So you can add, mm. have many channels of voices so you can have music and ambience. But what we're seeing right now is people using it sometimes just purely for transcription and then a lot of times, anybody that's working in audio, it's a great starting point for for any voice audio that you're working with for editing it down. You can then make all your edits in Descript. In addition to the script-based edits, there's a waveform editor that you could use to fine-tune your region boundaries and add crossfades. And then you can export it to one of the formats that's readable by Pro Tools or Audition or Logic, open it there, and see all of your edits preserved so that so that you can continue doing any fine-tune editing there or add music or or whatever you want to in your daw of choice and and just thinking from a workflow perspective on a lot of podcasters you know they love to be this idea to have this seamless transition so uh, i'm working with a company now that is sort of like a streaming skype uh, uh, competitor like zencaster they're called squadcast and they're interesting, you know, because they're, they they have the audio, it's going to be recorded, and then the ideal place to move it to would be a, a tool like Descript, because it's the audio, now let's get it transcribed, and then the natural progression for a podcaster is for move, to move that to show notes, to move that to the hosting company, uh, be it Libsyn or, or Blueberry or wherever you're hosting your files. So are you thinking about workflow and maybe like Zapier integration for automation down the line as well? We are. I mean, there's there's so much that we want to do. I, maybe it'll be interesting to talk a little bit about the workflow that our Detour producers used, because we actually have a bunch of yeah. features that we uh, that we built for the Detour use case that we that we ripped out of the first version of Descript so that we could polish okay. and have a minimum viable product that felt really polished, and then add those features back in. So Detours were predominantly scripted. Um, meaning that they, it starts with the producer writing a script and yeah. then recording to that script. And producers would actually writing in Word or Google Docs would write that script directly in a Descript composition. And then when it was done, they would go into the recording studio and record and then take that audio file and drag it on top of the script and not actually use the transcription. They would just align to the existing script. Mm -hmm. And then, and then once that's in place, they would be working with an editor and we have, uh, we have cloud-based version control and collaboration tools built into the, that again, we haven't released yet for, for the proper Descript app, but it's out there for Detour producers where you can check in your file to a central cloud-based repository and then other collaborators can check it out so we usually had a producer an editor a sound designer maybe a couple other people all simultaneously working on this project um and uh and an editor would go and there's also commenting like google doc style commenting on audio which is amazing okay. and and you would be writing your comments in there the, an editor might go in and delete a sentence of audio text 
and then type in, this is getting to your last question, and then they would type in what they wanted to say instead. Yeah. And it would it would put in scratch audio that's just generated f- from a synthesized robo voice. And then but and then it's highlighted in red. So then the producer or the voiceover artist can look at their script and see all of the pickups that they need to record. And then they mm-hmm. go back into the studio and they record just those pickups. Okay. And all of this stuff is stored in version control. So it's really easy to go back if you made any changes that you don't like. So by working hand in hand, not only with these detour producers, but I mean, they're all radio producers. They're all podcast producers is where we hired out of. And it gave us a really intimate idea of the workflow is like and, and how we can improve upon it. Another example is like when a, when a reporter is is reporting a, a story, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're going out into the field and recording a lot of interviews. And the flow right now is you bring those interviews back, you send them off to get them transcribed if you can afford it. If you can't, you get them hand transcribed yeah. uh, or you transcribe them yourself. And then you listen back to the audio. And as you're listening, you highlight the selects in the Word document that you think you're going to want to use and you have your timestamps that are in there. And, and then later when you're writing your script, you're, you're pulling those, you're pulling that text into your script along with the timestamps. And then after that, you're going into pro tools and you're, mm-hmm. you're looking up the timestamps in the original audio files. It's like you're managing all these different parts and it's a really simple engineering kind of process and with Descript you can you can just take your interviews drag the files into one Descript project get transcripts highlight the bits you want and and actually like start composing your script right away in that Descript project where the audio and the text are always linked so you don't need to think about them as separate things and there's this really interesting thing that happens as you start using Descript which is that you're in your editorial brain almost all the time. And you're very rarely in this engineering brain that just looking at a waveform immediately puts you in. And so it's a more creative, expressive, and efficient process, frankly. And is there some machine learning that's involved? Because as people, you know, sometimes when you replace words, you know, if if that happened consistently, consistently, I would think that that there might be a, a way to see that as an opportunity to learn from what people are, are, are manually correcting on a regular basis. Absolutely. Like we, there, there's a huge amount of opportunity for that. We're not doing other than the text audio alignment. We're not doing any particular, uh, particularly fancy machine learning stuff right now. Okay. Like you hear when you, when you read about these automatic transcription services a lot of them throw around terms like machine learning and artificial intelligence and the thing to keep in mind is that all of these services are using one of the same handful of transcription backends that are yeah. provided by the big companies you know we use google okay. um, some people use nuance or ibm amazon just came out with one are you familiar with um, speechalytics Re, uh, speechmatics speechmatics yeah sorry yeah 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 that's another popular one yep. we've tested them all and a lot of what we focused on building is just infrastructure for understanding which ones are the best and yep. the ability to switch them in the case um and we're using some google stuff that's just incredible as as one would think i mean they have this massive 
trading library and all their YouTube uh, uh, yeah. videos and and everything else that they that they use to create these models. And that's why it's that's why it like makes sense to use these third party APIs. It's just very hard for a startup to have access to that kind of training data. They would be able to compete. Yeah, it makes sense. Have you thought about how you're going to market it? Because obviously, it's something that's very attractive to podcasters and journalists. And, and I'm wondering if you had a, a target audience in mind as you started putting it together. Well, for for starters, we're we're focused on anybody that needs to get transcription. Um, that's a really obvious market, and mm -hmm. the quality of automatic transcription has crossed this threshold where uh, where it's really usable at this point, especially when it's linked to the audio. Um, we also offer what we call white glove transcription, but if you, if you aren't happy with, a, if you have a really low, low quality audio and automatic mm -hmm. transcription doesn't, doesn't cut it, you can upgrade to, um, to human power transcription and it ends up costing a dollar, dollar a minute. We deduct the cost of your automatic transcription. So there, there's no risk in trying automatic transcription first. And then the other target audience right now is anybody that's working with audio is their medium. So radio podcasters, um, it, it, even in its current form, it's a really powerful tool to add to the top of your voice workflow, mm -hmm. even if you're going to end up eventually exporting to Pro Tools or Audition. Over the long term, I mean, we see, we see this shift to a script-driven interaction model away from a timeline driven interaction model where you're looking at waveform abstractions mm -hmm. as something that is inevitable. It's, you know, for the same reason that people aren't writing code in binary anymore, they're writing it using text and, yeah. and words. Um, it just makes sense. Like words are a better abstraction than a waveform, um, in most cases. So, um, so we see, we see just anybody that's using that's creating talk driven media is going to want to use a tool like Descript to do it in the future. And we hope that that's not only the people that are using these tools today, but that we can, by making it so much more easy and accessible, we can introduce a whole slew of new creators to audio production. Yeah, it's interesting, this this thought that you brought up, that when you're working in text, and then you switch over to, and I, I, I grew up DJing, so I did some music production, and there's a different mindset, because when you're, you're, you get sucked into the logistics of the tool, like how do I cut and edit a waveform, and how do I make sure that they get married together so they sound good, and then you get sort of pulled into this other part of your brain thinking, as opposed to like when you're looking at words, and you're tight, like you know, if, you're, if you're writing up something, then... It, I feel like you need different skill sets for those. And I think to your point, you have to keep shifting back and forth. Like, is it, am I not understanding the tool? That's why I can't edit this audio and you just get, get lost and you can't really get any work done. Yeah. And our, our goal, um, as we release new features in over the next year is to make editing audio feel as costless and frictionless, if that makes sense, as it is to just edit text in a word processor, you know, the superpower that, people that work with print as their primary medium have uh, is is that when you're writing in a word processor like editing is as easy as the original writing process right you can yeah. you can write something and if you don't like it you can delete a word or move stuff around and it's this thoughtless frictionless process and we want to bring that same power to go and that means getting really smart about how we splice things together um, to make sure that they always 
sound great. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because I see there's something hap- there's without knowing the specifics and the and the um what's happening on the technical side, but I can see that some of the words get are underlined with like a dotted line, and as I change the words, I can see that you were you know that that Descript was moving stuff around, and, and so were you? Is it the, is is it you're actually aligning the timestamp of the text? to the what you feel is the most the appropriate waveform or something is it, am i getting that right exactly yeah. yeah so if you if you go in and and you type you you correct a typo or or you change the text of a word descript will do a phonetic analysis of the words that you've typed in the audio waveform and line mm-hmm. li- line it up so that we know the we have a timestamp for the starting and end point of every phoneme inside of every word and this this is technology that existed already, or is this just something that you learned a lot through Detour and, and you've just been perfecting it now with Descript? Yeah, like I said, we uh, um, we had a we we hired someone a couple years ago who had been doing his PhD in this stuff, and so th- so the technology has existed, but it's largely existed in research departments and academia and we're trying to productize it um you mentioned earlier when you were talking to alex bloomberg how he was this was pre-gimlet which is interesting because anyone who listens to startup that first episode i mean that first season uh, is really fascinated by the journey that he's taken so what was it that caught your eye afterwards because if and if you didn't see it when you're having those initial discussions with him obviously you you, you see it now so um what are you seeing that has you excited specifically about uh, the podcasting space? Some of it just from talking to other people in audio um, and seeing, getting a sense of the actual numbers that there really has been a quantifiable um, jump in in listening, really with the instigating event being free data plans on, on cell phones, yeah. from what I understand. Yep. And from that point on, it's just been up and to the right. And then I think there are another a number of trends that are just starting to form that are going to continue to propel audio forward as a medium. One of the ones that I'm the most excited about is wireless, like super low friction wireless head, headphones, mm. such as the AirPods. Yeah. Like it's been, as a user, it's been eye-opening to me how much more frequently I'm using headphones because something as simple as taking the wire away, needing to untangle it every time you take it out of your pocket. Yeah. I'm much more likely to listen to five minutes of a podcast or something like that when I'm taking a walk to get a cup of coffee. So, so I think that trend in addition to cars and everything else that people already talk about is just going to keep keep creating new opportunities for audio first experiences in people's lives and what are your uh, some, some of your go-to podcasts uh gosh i don't have anything really unique it's pretty standard my favorite two podcasts are the daily just because it's such a profoundly different theory in how to communicate news um, and what it should feel like to communicate news and the Sam Harris podcast, which, which I love because it's just so rare that you can listen to such long nuanced conversations between smart people 
on interesting subjects. Yeah, that's a good. Those are two good ones. Um, I, I want just changing gears a little bit here. Um, obviously, you've you've had success with previous companies, and I'm wondering if it's just something that's in your DNA, like this this need to create. And you know, you've done, you've done it with Groupon, you've done it with Detour, and now you're back at it with Descript. And and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit because you know we have a lot of folks who are uh, entrepreneurs as well that listen, and I'm wondering if that's just something that's you know in your blood. I mean, I don't have any other blood, so it's hard to it's hard to compare. I don't know what I don't know what the absence of whatever it is would would feel like that I can yeah. confirm that. I can say that I feel really lucky to be alive in a time when this incredible medium of the internet is so nascent, and there are so many. Uh, like just as a creative person, I, I started out thinking I was going to be a musician and then ended up, up transferring to focusing on the internet because it felt like this incredible blank canvas. Like there's so many opportunities to have ideas and then bring those ideas into existence where, where, where nobody has, has tried that specific thing before, as opposed to music, which it was just incredibly crowded with you know, millennia of, contributions so um so that just that's it's just really exciting i, I guess i'm just a, a cre- i like making things yeah. and the internet is a really fun place to be making things do you remember your is there someone i'm sure there's been a lot of folks but i'm, I'm wondering if you can think of anyone that's been a, a, a good mentor for you as you've been working your you know through your your journey your entrepreneurial journey and your business journey if there's someone that comes to mind that's been helpful for you uh, sort of like a, a someone you could talk to or a guiding light along the way? This is a kind of an answer to your question. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. So when I, when I uh, was in college, I uh, had an internship and later worked at Electrical Audio Recording Studios in Chicago, which yeah. is run by a guy named Steve Albini, who's, who's a musician and an engineer who's known for recording Nirvana and um, the Pixies, and mm. he's kind of like a cult, has a cult following. And and I had a lot of admiration for him before starting the job. And then when I worked there, um, what struck me was just how incredibly hardworking he was, and and the culture of that place, not just him, but the other people that worked there. So people would kind of like wake up like he lived at the studio at the time and he would wake up and he would have a cup of coffee and then he would go into the studio and he would work 14 16 hour days like seriously from 10 or 11 or 12 in the morning until 2 in the morning and do that 330 days a year or something and it was it was eye opening in this, in the sense of it was like, oh, that's how you become good at something. <laughs> you just work really, really hard. You do it a lot. Yeah. And seeing that firsthand uh, had a huge impact on me. And then as I went through my career, I I followed it. I just I learned to get comfortable working really hard and being incredibly persistent, and uh, and that served me well. Um, what have you learned from your previous uh experiences that you're going to apply uh in terms of what to do and what not to do especially with with descript 
and and the team because you know you just, obviously all these teams start small right and then you know there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of like constant communication and then as you've experienced you know as the team grows the dynamics change so i'm wondering if if you've thought about how what you would do if anything different as the team grows mm. one thing i learned a lot about at detour was the differences between the the way that creative like content producers work versus the way that um people like me tend to work who are more i don't know on the engineering or, or business side i kind of i'm not an i'm i was an engineer for a little while earlier on but i'm i still kind of have that mentality mm -hmm. to some degree or a technical mentality and how i do things and i'm a very i try to be a process oriented person who's all about optimizing everything that I do. Um, like I have a routine that I do in the morning and at night and I set goals for myself every day and I set goals for myself every week and, and I, and I write all this stuff. I, I have like a framework for how to live that I'm always iterating on and trying to find ways to improve. And, and I think about business a lot of times in that way too. Like, you know, when you're figuring out how to launch hundreds of Groupon cities, you're trying to come up with a, with a playbook for how to launch and run a city that mm -hmm. you're optimizing and you, and you repeat. And when we started making this long form content for, for detour, I had that same kind of mentality. And, uh, I, I remember even just recently at third coast festival, I saw Ira Glass give a talk where he talked about how chaotic their process one of the things he talked about was how chaotic the process at this american life is and how it really hasn't gotten any less chaotic from when they started like yeah. it's still just as based in chaos and on uh, and i heard that and i thought like that totally resonates with what i saw in terms of content production it totally seems right on and also I'm so glad that I'm not a content producer because <laughs> like the people who there are people who are really good at that. And yeah. I, I guess it's just part of the process. In fact, like i I have a healthy respect in just the coming up with idea that resonates with people for a business is very much like that, where a lot of times your first idea is terrible and it doesn't matter. It just matters that you try it. Like, you know, Groupon was a pivot from another company. Mm -hmm. And if, the 25 year old me pitched the 37 year old me on that original idea, I would have said, that's terrible. Don't do it. It's a waste of your time. But if the 25 year old version of me hadn't done that, yeah. then he wouldn't have gotten himself in a mess out of which Groupon would have been born. Yeah. So, um, so, so, uh, uh what did I, what have I learned? I guess I'm just saying that I, uh, I have a healthy respect for, the different kind of creative processes that or, or work processes that people need to have in order to succeed in their relative field. Makes, makes sense. Uh, so th does that mean you're ruling out starting your own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we need to, I, I think we need to have some kind of uh, uh, a podcast. I don't uh, hear it at Descript. We actually do one internally yeah. just for our employees so we can eat our own dog food and, yeah. and use the tools. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's really ab about for us. And there's a lot of podcasts out there, so I don't think we would start one publicly unless we felt like we had an idea that just was u unique and special enough that it needed to exist. 
Yeah, we we do uh, we do production for for clients as well, and and I always curious about what's their objective because I'm, they, some some people want to do it as a hobby, and then most people want to do it to help their their business or get viable, you know, get interest. And I think there's this, it's valuable if if it's almost like uh, what's the I, I I tell clients what's the one actionable thing you want someone to do as a result of having listened to the podcast, you know, and and that would be like, you know, go try out the tool or or go try out you know for people that have companies like yourself, so. It's been interesting because it there's such an intimate medium and you know just the fact that we're having this conversation here you know I I feel there's a warmth to um long form conversations and you've probably finding this with some of the podcasts you listen to so that's why I was asking because I think I mean I your story your story is a great one and I think as more people tend to hear it you, the impact you can have and the accessibility of voice uh, I think 80 to 85% of podcasts are consumed on mobile now so it's walking the dog traffic making dinner <laughs> at the gym um I just think there's a lot of opportunities for people that may not even know you you know <laughs> and and would would come to discover you through a podcast yeah I love the medium uh it's a I I get a greater sense of understanding from the content that I consume on audio than video or certainly print. I mean, getting the daily, um, it, it was so, so, so profound for me to start listening to the daily. Like, it's like, Oh, maybe after you listen to 20 minutes of like you, you read the, you read the newspaper for 20 minutes and you're just angry and feeling <laughs> great, like incredible judgment towards everything. Yeah. And what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you actually felt like a kind of sense of understanding and not exactly compassion, but like the non-compassionate form of empathy where, where you can at least put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's different with you. And I think the daily is such a incredible success story in that, in that theory. And I would love, love and, and making it entertaining. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see more to, uh, in, in what we do at Descript to help enable more of that type of content would be a really rewarding, um, way to spend time is uh this idea of showing empathy is that is that a trait you look for in people or important for you is it this idea of what empathy showing what about it just having empathy you know and a lot of people i think uh, to your point a lot of problems in the world could probably be avoided if we all had just a little bit more of that and and i'm one and i I just love the fact that you pointed it out because I, i think so many times we're so quick to jump in with our opinion about how we think things should be without even putting ourselves in people's shoes and saying, well, maybe they have this, this perspective because of, of the, the, where they grew up or, or, or the, the life they've had in the past. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got schooled in that at Groupon, um, because like, uh, you know, I went when, before I started Groupon, I was getting a degree in public policy at the university of Chicago. And the impetus for that was basically arming myself with the tools and depth of his like knowledge to better convince everybody else in the world why I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and it's really easy to get in that kind of mindset when you're just an armchair quarterback, which is all that any of us are when it comes to policy and politics. Mm -hmm. Then, um, you know, fast forward a few years later and I'm running a company with 13,000 employees. And, you know, I remember certain, certain times when I would, uh, come to a quick judgment about somebody doing something stupid or crazy or whatever. And then, and then it might be a year later and I'd, I'd get the context on, um, what exactly what was going on and some, some other 
some other bits of information that I wasn't armed with and realized that it, what an asshole I'd been for judging them in that way and that I'd made the wrong decision in some cases. And, you know, there's something about actually like being accountable, like needing to make decisions and being accountable that forces you to reckon with that and have this kind of gift of an experience of realizing that, oh, actually it's pretty uncommon that problems happen because somebody is evil or crazy or stupid. It's usually something else is going on. And Mm -hmm. to your point, I think we're often very happy to stop with that explanation that this person is crazy or, or, or bad or whatever it is and not look to the, to the deeper issues. So, uh, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, so a couple qu- couple questions as we wrap up. What's the one most misunderstood thing about you? Gosh, I have I have no idea because first of all, in some regards, I I go out of my way to be misunderstood. Check out my album, <laughs> um, but uh, but in other regards, I invest no time in trying to understand how I am understood. Yeah, and in fact, I find I find like that engaging in that would be so repulsive to my ego that uh that it's like even thinking about this question is giving me the shivers <laughs> okay well um i, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to come on i'm really excited about what it is you're doing with descript and was was it a conscious decision to have it pronounced that way uh as opposed to descript we, uh, I'm kind of non-committal about how to pronounce it. You're welcome to you have a strong opinion and castigate people for pronouncing <laughs> it in in the way that you wish it weren't. Makes sense. So I always ask if there's a way, um, I, if there's something you'd like the listener to do. You know, typically it's I ask if there's a way for folks to get in contact with you, but I imagine that would be uh, a bit overwhelming for you. But is there something specifically with Descript that we're that you'd like listeners to do as far as a, a next step to engage with the tool? Yeah, absolutely. Like download Descript, you can use it for free. Uh, there's 30 minutes of free transcription, and all of the audio editing features are free in a in a demo mode, and it's actually really easy to get in touch with me right now i do all customer service for descript so if you if you write into customer service you're going to hear back from me That's usually great. in 10 or 20 minutes i love doing it and i i love working on this product and hearing what people think and um you know this is this is un, i've never done a product like descript like everything else i've done you're imagining some kind of behavior and or and and making a bet on the fact that other people are going to be into it. But with Descript, we're really solving, it's like a better mousetrap. It's a mm-hmm. better solution for some, something that a lot of, an acute problem that a lot of people already deal with. And we feel like 95% of success is figuring out how to listen to our users and communicate with our users and let them give us the ideas that are the most important. You know, if we, if, if we were just in a vacuum and we'd have no shortage of things to do. We have incredibly cool ideas for stuff to build into Descript, but we don't know what the most important stuff is. That's Mm -hmm. what you guys know. So it's a real opportunity for you to shape Descript into your dream audio production tool. And I'd encourage you to to write long essays (laughs) with all the things that you wish that you had so that, that we can all read them. 
Well, the podcasting community has no shortage of uh, feedback and opinions just from the experience that I've had in the four years about tools that have come and gone and ways to improve them. So I think uh, they're going to definitely take you up on that offer. So, awesome. So again, thank you so much for for taking the time to be on here. This is incredibly uh, helpful and, and exciting to see folks like you jumping into this space. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm excited about what you've got planned. And, and thank you for taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Andrew taking the time from what must be an incredibly busy schedule with the launch of this new project to come on the show and just be generous with uh, just sharing information about what's working, what's not. And I'm honored to have the ability to talk to someone like him who's got a lot of experience uh, from a startup perspective, from an entrepreneur perspective, running a, a huge business, uh, the ups and downs that go with that. It was just really an entertaining conversation, and I'm glad I had the, the opportunity to share it with you. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his full music at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to support our episode sponsor, Podbean, at podbean.com slash podcastjunkies. Tune in next week for our conversation with Charles Beckwith. Charles and I met at the LA PodFest, and he's the host of American Fashion Podcast. He's the founder of Mouth Media Network, and they're working on a new podcatcher app called The Mouth Player, which he demoed for me at LA PodFest, and it's amazing looking. So we get to talk about all that stuff. Uh, really great conversation. He's really has his finger on the pulse of uh, podcasting as it relates to the the fashion industry and what he's done with the network is really, really impressive. So I think you'll you'll really enjoy that conversation. If you made it this far, you're no doubt holding on for dear life in the hopes that I'm going to let you have the retention hashtag this week. Hashtag Descript Andrew, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T, Andrew, and you can tag uh, him at Andrew Mason, one word, that's his Twitter handle, A-N-D-R-E-W-M-A-S-O-N, and of course, us at podcast underscore junkies. Thank you so much for everything you do. If you have not yet subscribed to the newsletter where I send updates on upcoming episodes, head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools. And if you're already a member of the newsletter posse, head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes, and you can leave a review, and I'll read them out like I did last week. In case you missed it, I was reading reviews, so that's how it works. You write it, I read it. Have a fantastic day, guys.